This evening we'll be concluding the book of Jonah, and we'll discover that uh, Jonah ends very surprisingly. Uh, According to our minds, I think we would naturally suspect that Jonah would end on an encouraging note, the whole city of Nineveh coming to faith and repentance. But we find a really surprising ending in Jonah 4. So let's hear God's word as we find it in Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. The Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and it so happened the plant that it withered. Sorry, God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. It happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. The sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. The Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? Jonah's name means dove. And the dove is often a symbol of peace and gentleness. But Jonah is far from peaceable and gentle in Jonah 4. Jonah is angry. Jonah is angry that God would show mercy to the city of Nineveh. It's not common to have a pastor or a missionary complain about people being converted and the Lord having mercy on them. Most pastors and missionaries would rejoice and be ecstatic for such a display of God's grace. A whole city repenting. That's the stuff our prayers are made of. But not Jonah's prayers. Jonah saw the mass repentance of the people of Nineveh. He saw the Lord's gracious response to their repentance. Instead of rejoicing, he asked God to kill him. Jonah would rather die than see people come to faith in God. 
Solomon says in Proverbs 25, verse 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Jonah had no rule over his spirit. Jonah longed for the walls of Nineveh be broken down in judgment. But Jonah's own walls were broken. He had no control over his anger. He was furious. His rage and fury blinded him to the compassion of the Lord. Thus blinded Jonah to having compassion for others. In fact, Jonah's anger blinded him so much that he would have compassion for a plant, a dead plant, before he would have compassion for a city full of living people. We as a church can be similarly blinded by our prejudices, our bitterness, our hatred, and our anger. These attitudes can keep us from showing compassion to others. It can cause us to have more love for objects than people. This blindness is ultimately the result of us forgetting the mercy that God has shown us in Christ. We just read of the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. They knew about the mercy of God. They knew about the history of Israel, how God time after time delivered Israel. They twisted that mercy into a legalistic framework. They were blind to showing mercy and compassion to others because they had a wrong view of God's grace. And so Jonah 4 tonight calls us to have compassionate hearts for people because God has been compassionate to us. And I want us to consider this, this calling to have compassion under four headings. First, we will consider Jonah's anger. Second, we will consider the Lord's response to that anger. Third, we will consider the Lord's grace. And fourth, we will consider your response to the story of Jonah. So what were the reasons for Jonah's anger? Well, Jonah's anger is rather complex. Ultimately, Jonah's anger stemmed from a self-centered and a self-righteous and self-focused understanding of God and his purposes. Jonah did not want Nineveh to be saved because he did not believe that they were worthy of grace because of their sinfulness. Yes, Jonah went and preached to that city, but that did not stop his desire for the city to be destroyed by the judgment of God. Jonah thought that the only right thing that could happen to the city of Nineveh was for it to be wiped out in God's wrath. So Jonah had a, a self-centered Jewish exclusivism. He could not fathom how, how God would show mercy to any other nation than the Israelites. Jonah thought that grace was for Israel and Israel alone, that Israel had somehow gained something with God that the other nations did not have. 
He simply went from knowing that Israel was God's particular people to viewing them as God's exclusive people. And so Jonah would not have compassion for Nineveh because they were sinful people. On the one hand, Jonah viewed the Ninevites as being unworthy of grace, but he also thought that that God was far too holy for him to show grace to them. Jonah thought that the Holy One of Israel should not condescend to show grace and mercy to such a sinful people. He says, after all, in Jonah 4 verse 2, that he fled from his prophetic calling because God was who he was. He was a God who relented from doing harm. God should not defile himself by first promising judgment upon a Gentile city and then deciding to save that city. That was beneath God. The Gentiles had no right to such a God because they worshipped fickle gods who would change their mind in an instant. And these Ninevite Gentiles might be tempted to think that Jonah's God was a God like the gods of their own imagination, that he would change in an instant, that he was like man lying and turning from his promises. Jonah saw God's grace here as shameful and embarrassing. And so Jonah would not have compassion for the people of Nineveh Because he thought he owned God. He thought he understood God in all his perfections. And he thought that this was beneath God to show grace to the people of Nineveh. There's also something else eating at Jonah. Cannot forget the spiritual state of Israel during this time. Jonah, after all, was the prophet of Israel during the time of Jeroboam II. Jeroboam II, like Jeroboam I, practiced idolatry. Jeroboam II encouraged Israel to worship God through the golden calves that were at Dan and Bethel. Israel was living in unrepentant sin. They were living in idolatry. The prophets called them again and again to repentance and nothing changed. The Lord had sent them Elijah and Elisha. But they continued in their sin. Amos, something of a contemporary prophet with Jonah, said that Israel would be judged by God because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. They pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor, and pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father go into the same girl to defile my holy name. They lie down by every altar on clothes taken in pledge and drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their gods. Jonah likely spent much time in his prophetic ministry calling Israel to repentance for sins like these. Then God called Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh 
this heathen, pagan, Gentile city. Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which was continually trying to get superpower status in the Middle East. Assyria, which would in coming years attack Israel, destroy it, and drag it away into captivity. And they wouldn't just drag them into captivity. The Assyrians were grossly violent people brutally torturing and deforming their captives. To be taken uh, captive by the Assyrians meant a life of intense suffering and torment. In fact, the coming Assyrian captivity would be so severe that the ten tribes would be scattered and would scarcely return to the land of Israel. Jonah went and preached to such people, and they repented. Israel would not repent, but here the Ninevites were repenting and believing in God. Jonah would not have compassion for Nineveh, because his own country of Israel would not have compassion for God. The world was upside down. So for all these reasons, Jonah had no compassion. He wanted God to destroy a city, a city that had 120,000 children, those who did not know their right hand from their left. Jonah seethed and he raged that God would show mercy to them. Here we might expect God to respond very harshly to Jonah for his lack of compassion. And yet God responds very pastorally, very gently with Jonah. The Lord is compassionate to Jonah in the midst of Jonah's lack of compassion. Once again, God has been given the opportunity to kill Jonah. Jonah is practically begging to be killed. God has every excuse at this point to to just get rid of his disobedient prophet. The Lord doesn't kill him. Instead, he treats him as a wandering sheep. The Lord is long-suffering with Jonah in much the same way that the Lord was long-suffering with Nineveh and that the Lord was long-suffering with Israel. The Lord first attempts to prick Jonah's conscience by asking him the question, is it right for you to be angry? Is it just for you to be angry? Is it good for you to be angered at my mercy? The only possible answer for that question is no. No, it's not right for me to be angered. Angry. It's like a parent asking a kid, should you really be doing that? A smart child will immediately stop doing whatever his parents just asked him about. But Jonah is not smart here. Jonah does not verbally respond to the Lord's question. Instead, he acts like a teenager when he does not get to play his video games. A teenager will go to his room and sulk 
hoping that maybe his parents will change their minds. Maybe he will be allowed to play his video games. While Jonah does not go to his room, he goes to the east side of the city of Nineveh, finds a, a nice place to look out over the city of Nineveh, and he waits and sees what will happen to it. He shoots daggers at the city, hoping that the city will somehow get destroyed, hoping that God will change his mind about the Ninevites, hoping that God will rain down judgment upon the city. And the Lord responds once again to the sinfulness of Jonah by blessing him. The Lord raises up this plant to provide Jonah with shade. Jonah's sitting there under the hot Mediterranean sun very uncomfortably. And the Lord raises a plant up for shade. And there's a lot of speculation about what kind of a plant this was, but a lot of that is fruitless speculation. It may have been some type of gourd, but it's was a plant that had large leaves for shade. It was a plant that provided Jonah with shade from the hot sun. Verse 6 says, The Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. It's interesting to note that the Lord prepared this plant in the exact same way the book of Jonah speaks about the Lord preparing the storm and the great fish in Jonah chapter 1. And, and we see that Jonah was exceedingly grateful for this plant. He thought, for once, something is going my way. This would have been like receiving a cool ice glass of tea on a hot summer afternoon when you've been working outside. It would have been refreshing. It would have been cooling. You can just see Jonah's ecstatic response at at this, this plant. And it's likely that Jonah connected this plant to the sovereignty of God. He surely thought, oh, the Lord's given me this plant. Surely the Lord's trying to see things my way. Here the Lord's blessing me as I'm angry against Nineveh. Maybe the Lord is going to change his mind about those Ninevites after all. Maybe he's going to rain down judgment upon them. Jonah is elated about this plant. But the Ninevites? No. He does not care one bit about them. Men falling on their face in repentance to God. Jonah could not care less. Let them burn in the fires of hell. Men praising God for salvation. Let them praise God and let me burn in anger towards you. I will not join them. Let me enjoy my cool bit of shade under this plant. The Lord responds to this continued sinful attitude by preparing a worm to eat the plant in the night. We can easily imagine Jonah's great displeasure 
when he discovered that the plant that had given him so much joy and relief from the burning sun was withering and dying the next day. Initially, this, this would have been bad news for Jonah. But it would get even worse. Jonah already had to endure the hot sun. Now the Lord had prepared. He sent a vehement east wind. This east wind would not be a, would not have been a cool wind, but rather an intense, warm wind, like opening up a hot oven on a hundred degree day, or stepping outside in Oklahoma on a hot day. I would not have understood what this meant until I had come to Oklahoma. Something about hot wind that is immensely discouraging. And Jonah naturally grew faint under this wind and sun, such that he once again wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. He was angry that this plant would die. He is angry and upset that a plant he had not cared for, that he had not watered, that he had not toiled over, should perish in a night. This was completely the opposite experience from Job. Job had everything, and God took it away from him. And Jonah, and Job praised the Lord. Naked I came into this world and naked I will return. But not Jonah. Jonah received one small good gift from the Lord. When that was taken away, cursed his life. And now Jonah was angry about the plant and the city of Nineveh still standing there. And yet, Jonah had more compassion, more love, more pity for a plant than for the people of Nineveh. Jonah had compassion for a plant, but not for people. This mentality is not foreign to us today. Consider the sin of of abortion. People would rather have the stuff of this life than have a child They'd rather have a house, a car, a vacation, their freedom, than have a child. So when they are pregnant, they murder their child so that their life isn't hindered too much. Consider the things of this life, the plants of this life, as being more important than human life. And we must be careful not to distance ourselves from such a mentality. We rightly say we would never commit an abortion. But we as well put a lot of value on the good things of this life, on the gifts that God gives us. We put far too little value on the souls of others. We have far too much compassion for the stuff of this life and far too little for the souls that are perishing. We have many of our own plants that we would sooner weep over. 
then we would weep for the souls of men and women. And so God challenges Jonah about his anger. He says, he asks that question. Once again, is it right for you to be angry? And then he adds, about the plant? Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Of all the things to be angry for, are you sure you should be angry about this plant? Jonah obstinately responds back, it is right for me to be angry even to death. God did not give Jonah what he wanted. So Jonah, for the price of a plant, says he would die. Jonah wanted to die because a plant he could claim no ownership over had died. And God calls Jonah out for his sinfulness. Jonah cared more for a plant which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven than for people who have immortal souls who will one day die and face the judgment seat of God. What a horrible thing for a prophet of God that he would have, that he would value a plant over living souls. What a lesson for us, the depravity of man, that a thing can have more significance, more meaning for someone than actual people. What a statement as well of our sinfulness. Here, Jonah was a believer in the Lord. He, he had the Lord speaking directly to him. And yet he could value a plant over a city full of believing Ninevites. If Jonah can pity a plant, surely he ought to pity the city of Nineveh. And surely God can pity and show compassion to the city of Nineveh. God had created each person individually, each person uniquely. God knew them all by name. God counted their souls as precious. Surely God had much right Pity the city of Nineveh. Here we once again see the astounding grace of God. Nineveh deserved no mercy. Jonah deserved no mercy. Israel deserved no mercy. But God does not cast them aside. He lavishes them with compassion. He truly is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. God initially taught Jonah by some very hard providences. A fierce storm, near death, being in the belly of a fish three days and three nights, being vomited up. And in Jonah 4, God starts to teach Jonah more gently. Teaches him with a plant, with a worm, and with a wind. God gently coaxes Jonah 
to realize something of his grace and his right as a sovereign Lord to show mercy to whomever he will because he is a God who is sovereign over the entire creation. He is a God who sent that storm. He is a God who sent that wind. He is God and he is sovereign and he can show mercy to whomever he desires to show mercy. Jonah knew the right things about God. He knew that God was merciful and gracious. He knew that God removes our sinfulness as far as the east is from the west. He knew that God casts our guilt and our infirmities into the sea of his grace. Jonah knew that God had created the sea and the dry land. That's what he confessed to the sailors after all. Jonah knew that salvation is of the Lord. That was the substance of his prayer in Jonah 2. Jonah knew that God was a holy God. See, Jonah had all the right theology, but he could not practice it. Jonah even experienced the compassion of God again and again throughout this story. But he could not show that same compassion to others. And in all this, Jonah was acting a lot like Israel. Israel had the law of God. They had everything they needed for faith and life. They had the promises. They had the covenants. They even had the land of Israel, a gracious gift from God. But they weren't practicing it. They were committing idolatry. They had no love for the poor and needy. They certainly did not love the strangers and the Gentiles that would come into the land. So God taught Jonah and Israel a lesson about his sheer love here in the history of Jonah. This was a lesson that Ezekiel would learn in Ezekiel 18. In fact, Ezekiel 18 is really a fascinating commentary on the book of Jonah. In Ezekiel 18, verse 25, the Lord says, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? God would not have any pleasure if the people of Nineveh would continue in their sin. God desired that they would turn from their sin and worship him. One could object by saying, the way of the Lord is not fair. A people who have done wickedly, like the Ninevites, should be judged by the Lord for their wickedness. This is what Jonah, in essence, objected it is not fair that a wicked city should not pay the consequences of their sinfulness. But the Lord responds to that objection in Ezekiel 18. The Lord responds to that objection by saying, Hear now, O house of Israel, is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? 
When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he has committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. The Lord's way is fair. The Lord's way is just. And he is, it is just for one reason. It is just because the Lord would send Christ, his son, the one who Jonah typified as he was in that belly three days and three nights. The Lord would send his precious son who would come and pay the penalty for sin. Unlike Israel during the time of Jonah, Nineveh turned to God in repentance. They feared the Lord because they placed their trust in him. The Lord forgave them and did not carry out his threatenings of judgment upon them. The Lord had mercy, not because they were righteous, but because in their sin they ran to God and trusted, hoped that the Lord would turn and relent, that the Lord would show mercy and grace to them. The Lord had compassion on Nineveh because they placed their faith in him. So to the Lord shows mercy to us, not because we have earned something with God, but because of the person and work of Christ. Israel was hardened in its sin. It was callous to the mercy of God. This mercy the Lord had shown to Nineveh had become commonplace to them. They continued happily in their sins, assuming that because at one time they were righteous, because at one time in their history they had believed God, that God would save them. And this callousness to grace, this callousness to the Lord's compassion, closed their own hearts to compassion. God, the history of Jonah and the history of Nineveh awakened their hearts once again, reminded them how great his compassion was, how precious the Lord's mercy and grace was, that he would show grace to a, such a sinful nation as the Ninevites, to such a violent people as the Ninevites. God once again shows Israel that his mercy knows no ends. God reminds Jonah that it is inestimably better to pity the souls of men and women than to have compassion on things. That it is better to have the grace of God through Christ Jesus than the plants of this life. As we've read and looked at Jonah 4, you may have noticed a very unsatisfying ending. 
Jonah 4 ends with that question. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left much livestock? It's a cliffhanger. I have no idea how the story ends. We all want to know, what did Jonah do after this? Did Jonah repent? Did Jonah fall on his knees? But we're not given that information. The story of Jonah ends with this question because this type of ending demands a response from Israel, who was the intended, originally intended audience for the prophecy of Jonah. And this type of ending demands a response from you. What will you do knowing that God is merciful and gracious, such that he will save a people like the Ninevites, such that he will have compassion for the people of Nineveh? We are not told what happens to Jonah because ultimately it does not matter. What matters is what you are going to do with what we read of in the book of Jonah. What are you going to do with the message of Jonah? How are you going to respond to the Lord's compassion? Are you going to have more compassion for things, for the plants of this like life like, like Jonah did? Or are you going to mirror the compassion of your loving Heavenly Father and have mercy for others? As we plant a church, we must be on guard against a Jonah mentality that says, I'll have compassion for this person, but not that person. I'll have compassion for for this thing, not for the soul of my neighbor. Let's guard against the mentality that says, I want this person in this church, but not that family. That family is too difficult to deal with. That family has all these sins. I don't want to show compassion to them. But... I want to show compassion to my friends. I want to show compassion to the people who I can understand and who I can get along with. It can be easy for us to let our prejudices, our anger, our bitterness, even our possessions, blind us to showing compassion to others. How must mirror the character of our God who has showered us with such compassion, who day in and day out forgives our sins and iniquities, who has been merciful to us. must follow in the steps of our merciful Savior, who came to this earth not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. We must mirror the character of our Savior who wept over Jerusalem 
after Jerusalem time and time again killed the prophets who spurned the grace of God. And yet God was long-suffering to them day in and day out, showing them mercy. character of God revealed in the book of Jonah demands that our response to Jonah be one of faith and repentance. It demands that we respond like the Ninevites did to the preaching of Jonah. A response that calls us, causes us to fall on our faces, worshiping the God who is merciful and gracious, one who relents from doing harm. Our response must be one that shows forth the fruits of salvation we have by being compassionate to others because God has been compassionate to us. And so let us show compassion because we have received much Compassion. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we are humbled by your sheer grace towards us. Lord, we confess that we can be like Jonah. We can love our plants the good gifts that you give us in this life, more than the souls of others. Lord, we can be blinded by our prejudices, our bitterness, our anger, and we can hate others. Lord, we pray that day in and day out, you would remind us how great our sin and miseries are but how vast, how expansive your grace and mercy are towards us. Lord, may we ever have before our eyes the person and work of Christ Jesus, who bled and died for our sins, so that we might know experientially that you are a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, ever warm our hearts to this glorious truth. May we ever praise your name for it. Amen.